two, one. Another week and another edition of the Pat Richter Show here on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. Happy Saturday. How you doing, everybody? Alex Strofe with you alongside former Wisconsin Athletic Director Pat Richter. And, oh, man, a lot of noise in the Big Ten this week. So we'll get into all that. We'll talk a little Super Bowl and uh, whatever else comes to the mind of the great Pat Richter. Pat, how are you this week? Doing terrific, Alex. How about you? Also terrific. Probably pretty good. Yeah, it's pr- yeah. pretty good on my end. Yeah, but I don't know if I'm quite terrific. But I, but I like the word choice there, Pat. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of terrific, let's dive right into the Badgers basketball team because man, oh man, was that a thriller on Tuesday night as they go on the road to Bloomington and take down Indiana. Johnny Davis with another classic performance. He finishes with 30 points, scored the last 13, Pat, for Wisconsin, and a come-from-behind win. Uh, it seems like almost every week we're chatting about how you know resilient this group is and how they're doing crazy things like they did on the road again earlier this week. And again, Johnny Davis, uh, the, now the, again after that performance, the frontrunner for National Player of the Year. What are some quick takeaways from you after that win at Indiana? I'll tell you what, crazy is probably the word for it. I mean, that's just unbelievable. I, I think that uh, that game, you know, I, I didn't have any qualms about saying, well, this is going to be a tough one to pull it out. We just never could get quite close enough. They seemed to go on the inside with Davis, and uh, and he could make those short little jump hooks. And, you know, thank gosh, they they started hitting, trying to hit from the outside, and that's where they had their problems. But it was a very emotional game because it was important for them to try to get a win to for the tournaments and things like this and and for us you know it's never easy on the road especially when you have such a a domination over the last 15 years or so and uh it, it just didn't seem like we were you know we were we were seemed like we were going too fast i mean it's just one of those things we watch the game and say slow down i mean take your time i mean even johnny davis at times was just trying to you know, go through a brick wall and Taylor Wall do the same thing. And so in many respects, that was just kind of got us a little nervous and, uh, and, and, and it was just, you could never catch up. And, and, uh, Davison was kind of in a funk again. And what he said, like four for 28 for a while. Yep. Well. And, uh, Hepburn, you know, seems to be kind of a constant and, uh, wall was as well. It was you know, big. Big guys weren't uh, factors so much, you know. Just like the Coburn uh, and Edie, uh, those guys are different, different cats. And uh, and Indiana was a little bit more along our side, so we were able to play with them pretty well. But I mean, you really couldn't say much more about Johnny Davis than what was said. I mean, he's just incredible athlete. Every I mean, every one of those last few shots, the 13 points at the end of the game, was contested. It was a tough shot. It was, Sometimes he got fouled, sometimes he didn't and should have. And uh, he just you know, hung in the air and, and dunked, it, dunked the ball or made the great shot. It, those were not easy shots to make. And I think that the proof in the pudding of that is the fact that, uh, you know, Jay Billis was doing the broadcasting, and, and he's not one to uh, kind of gush over any player, I don't think, too much. And uh He's pretty well controlled, and he he says it like it is, and he's he's very understanding and and knows about basketball, and uh, the fact that he was giving the praises of Johnny Davis, I think, was really significant, and that really puts him into that national running because I think he was he probably had to see it for himself to believe it, and uh, I think the fact that uh, Johnny pulled it off was it was exactly what he's looking for, and so. 
it was just uh, gutted it out. You know, it was just a question of getting just past that one-point lead or two-point to get it a three or a four. You know, and Davis missed that one free throw, and it really could have put it away, but made it a little bit exciting. But they played good defense. They made them shoot from the outside, which they weren't doing very well, and uh, followed the game plan, which uh, just seemed to be right up what their alley was looking for. And so Greg did a great job. Yeah, Indiana ninth place in the Big Ten, but there's no such thing as an easy road game in the Big Ten, especially this year, Pat. Six teams within two games of the Big Ten lead. That, of course, Purdue right now as of recording in first place. Illinois, Wisconsin, a half game back. Ohio State, Rutgers each a game and a half back. And Michigan State, two games back. So there's no easy game in the Big Ten, and that showed it. But I did want to ask you, Pat, at the end of that game, when we're talking about Johnny Davis, he, he kind of... Did a little smack talk, did a little bye-bye to the Indiana uh, fan base. As a former athletic director, when you see something like that, does that excite you? Do, do, do you say, ah, maybe I don't like that so much? I mean, what, what's the takeaway when you see a guy yelling bye-bye after a road win? Well, privately, you'd like to say, gee, you do the same thing, but uh, you know, actually I would not rather do that because <laughs> you know, for a couple things. One, say bye-bye means – He's not coming back, which exactly. doesn't sound, uh, you know, for the university. And the other thing is, it's kind of bulletin board material because sooner or later it's going to come around and, and turn around and bite you, and uh, that's what happened. So, I, and it's kind of uh, he did it the last time. What was it? Uh, Michigan State, was it? I think. Uh, I think, I think it was so. at Michigan State when they did it, and uh, and he did that, and it just seems to be kind of counter his personality. <laughs> he doesn't seem like that kind of a kid, but. I think he's toughened up the last year with the, the, the U.S. Uh, basketball team and things like this, and he's played a little bit tougher. and And I think that uh, you know, the natural tendency would be to kind of say in your face type of thing. And but you know, I I think you got to give him a pass on that because I think you just don't understand I mean, what things are said. I mean, you can hear the, the overall crowd noise, but the little murmurs and things that are said are. Sometimes it's hurtful, and uh, and you're bound to just want to throw it right back at him, and and he did it, and he's deserving of being at ability, but he's going to leave a little bit of rough uh, road for some of the guys that are behind. Yeah, that's interesting, and I'll get into the bulletin uh, board material aspect of that in a second, but you're totally right. Johnny Davis was uh, here at our ESPN Madison studios on Wednesday, uh, the day after that game, and, you know, just this cool, calm, and collected, as, as, as you referred to, right? Like, when you talk to him, You'd never expect that to come out of that guy, but I think that shows how fierce of a competitor he is, right? Where he's just in the heat of the moment, yeah. and he's so fired up knowing what he did, like I mentioned, scoring those last 13 points for Wisconsin in that road win. I think it probably just bubbled up and came out, but uh, I thought that was really entertaining from uh, at least the winning side of things. But bulletin board material yeah. you bring up, Pat. I mean, is, is that real? Well, is that a great real? Kid. No, go ahead. Yeah, I think it, yeah, it is. I think you were just going to say, was that a real effect? And I think in some cases it is because I mean, you get beat, you know, like have your face rubbed in. Everybody's, I mean, coaches are looking for anything they possibly can do to get motivate the players, and uh, and that's one of them. And I think that uh, you know it'll probably be the kind of thing where if you, especially when you get it on the um, television and and from media and phones and things like this, and. Uh, Sooner or later, somewhere along the line, it's going to come back to to to, uh, to haunt Wisconsin. Or whatever, we get beat, 
and maybe bad and whatever and say, well, da-da, then they'll show that. I mean, that's the unfortunate part. It's out there forever now. And uh, <laughs> But I think that you're right. I mean, I think he's deserving of it. He, he, I mean, to go through and score 13 points under those circumstances, I think, is just it's hard for anybody to believe, and, and let alone uh, imagine what it's like to to be the player that's uh, being beat up. Because there were some times, there was a couple of calls, one where he kind of sandwiched himself in between and made made a layup, and they got hammered in there. And even I think Billis said there should have been a foul. Even though he got called, he got they had fouls called on a number of times, there's a couple they didn't. And uh, and I think that he just, you know, he just the pressure on him is such. He, trying to make it early on the game, he just seemed like it was a slow start. He was a little bit more effective early in the game than he was the week before, but uh, you know he was just trying to find the right spot. And when you start, you know, driving to the basket with the big guys like that and getting hammered and whatever, it takes an awful lot out of you. And he and he laid it out on the on the line and uh, just you know you had to say that he was he was the person responsible. Everybody who had to be a team, obviously, and get the ball and rebound and things like this. But he took it among himself just to get the ball and then take it up there and uh, will to win. It was exactly there. And uh, and I think even even Brad Davidson, as competitive as he is, would probably yeah. marvel at the competitiveness of Johnny Davis. I think you're spot on with that. That's, that's really well said. And when you look at Johnny Davis, Pat, he's only a sophomore, right? Like, do you ever remember, especially in basketball, a jump like this in, in production from year one to year two? Because it's... It's hard to, for me to lay my finger on anything quite like this at the, at the University of Wisconsin, what Johnny Davis has done from year one to year two. It's it's remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's nothing I can remember. When we were in school, we weren't eligible as freshmen, so our first uh, taste of uh, of practice at the uh, or even competition with it as a sophomore. And uh, the only kid I remember having that kind of a jump would be I may have told the story before Connie Hawkins and down in Iowa, and uh, he was the best basketball player I ever saw at a young age. And uh, he stood out at midcourt when he was in the freshman game, and at halftime, and he started dribbling the ball with one in each hand, dribbling simultaneously. Got to the free throw line and palmed one, palmed two, flew through the air and dunked both of the baskets balls. Wow. I mean, everybody, we looked at each other and said. Thank goodness that the freshmen aren't eligible. We won't play against a kid like that. But you know, he looked back on in terms of the maturity and things like that. I mean, he. I think the. I can't recall any other players that have had the opportunity to be on the U.S. teams as such, and maybe have as big of a focus on him as as possible. But the the fact is, is that that really helped him a tremendous amount. I mean, last year, if you think back to last year. I mean, he wasn't a dominant player at all. I mean, he was a role player, and, of course, he had a lot of guys with him, and uh, if he could fit him into the right spots. But uh, I think that he got a great deal of confidence when he started playing in that U.S. team and to see that he has had the ability to be an outstanding player. He had recognized that and took it to the next level. And uh, and that's not easy. I mean, people think, well, he's, He's big cat or whatever. I mean, six five is kind of a no man's land when you're in basketball. I mean, you be a you can be a guard, and he certainly can handle the basketball that well. But once you get inside the baskets, so those extra four or five, six inches makes a big difference. And so, uh, you know, he's he's 
he's perfected his game to the point where he's got so many shots to to draw upon. You know, the, fa- the fade, the, the, the layup, and finger rolls, things like this. He's got so many shots that I I, I know we've had Devin Harris, you know, Mike Kaminsky, uh, or Frank Kaminsky. Uh, you had no uh, uh, oh gosh, probably the best the best player, Michael Finley, of course. And uh, but there was never a big quantum jump. I mean, I think everybody is now kind of geared their game towards the 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 school situation, the academics. I mean, I think maybe sure. ten, fifteen years ago, everybody came in and figured, well, they're going to kind of rest, they'll take it easy, whatever. Now kids are getting ready at the juniors and bas in, in uh, high school, and the seniors and coming in maybe early. And they're ready to go, and, and they've had such great uh, coaching and opportunity to go to camps and exposure that they know what the competition looks like, and they're not afraid of it anymore. And I think that they're just much more mature with social media, whatever, all those kind of things has made them grow up a lot faster and maybe have to show their wares uh, much quicker, and, uh, and he's done it in spades. Yeah, that's really interesting. You you bring up obviously how, how things have changed over over the last few decades, and that's an interesting way to, to look at it. I guess I've never really thought of it that way, but uh, you're totally right, right? You do have to grow up faster these days, especially. And we talk a lot about the name, image, likeness. Uh, this being the first full academic year where that exists too. So it's uh, it is really interesting to to analyze it that way. But then again, one thing you didn't mention with Johnny Davis is you know the U nineteen uh, Olympic program he was with last summer. The, you know he's playing with the best of the best, and that certainly had to help uh, the jump we've seen this year on the court. As as again, Johnny Davis uh, got to be the front runner for National Player of the Year. And, and you mentioned some of those other guys at Wisconsin who were either in in consideration for that award or won it, like Frank Kaminsky did a few years ago. Uh, nobody's been a one-man band and as dominant as Johnny Davis has been this year, so it really is something special. But you brought up Michael Finley. Yeah, and Frank, no Frank took a couple of years. I mean, he, yeah. But he could see the progress in him, and I think that we thought the same thing was going to happen to Nate Reavers. He kind of took a jump, and then either something went halfway. He got up in the season, and he just kind of plateaued off and never really happened physically and otherwise. You know, Frank... I think I understood. Of course, with his upbringing with his dad and the Bulls and people like that, he understood what it was all about. And with uh, Johnny Davis, you know, getting a chance to play, and I don't, I don't know if they played any European teams or not in that when he was with the under-19 uh, team, but uh, you, you can see that happen with uh, when we were on a trip after the 2000 uh, team season and played in Slovenia and places like that. And the guys, you know, it's a tougher game. And, uh, and you have to fight for everything you get, and so it's a great uh, training ground. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, you brought up Michael Finley just a minute ago, Pat, and it was announced earlier this week that this uh, this Sunday when the Badgers host Michigan, uh, Michael Finley's number 24 will be retired and raised into the rafters at the Kohl Center. I mean, obviously you've had your number retired at uh, Camp Randall, uh, so this is a very special honor for Michael Finley. Uh, and, and, you know, What's your reaction to this? Well deserving of it, and you got to be happy for the guy. Well deserved, and of course, there's a, a caveat in this. I, I like the jerseys retired. I, I don't like the numbers being retired. I don't know which what they're going to do. I, I personally am not 
favor of it because it takes a lot of circulation. In basketball, there's only a certain number of good numbers anyway. <laughs> but whether it's 24 is going to be retired or whether it's just Michael Finley with a jersey and it's you know just the jersey hung type of thing is a different story. But uh, certainly well-deserving. He was uh, he was involved with uh, the time when we had uh, Stu Jackson and, uh, and Stan Van Gundy and you know, the dominant player, even though we had a little bit of turmoil turmoil that year because Stu left in the summer and uh, and then Stan took over and we made a change in that regard with uh, Stan. Uh, he still was an outstanding player. and He, he kind of uh, is a Davidson type. He, he, Michael, I guess, probably is around 6'7", I think, maybe something like that. A little bit bigger than, uh, than Johnny Davis, but uh, great. Uh, and then one thing about it, good parents involved. You know, uh, Michael had his Bertha Finley was uh, just uh, she get out and do all the uh, cheerleading at the end with the carrying the flag and holding the flag. Sometimes those big flags are so doggone hard and they keep pulling them around and she mm. lean back. But she was a highlight. Bertha was uh, was really a highlight. And uh, and he was I think uh, one of the just a quality gentleman, just a great kid. And uh, but you could just see the talent there. And he probably was the first one of uh, the players from the time that we came in out and for maybe a while before that, I can't recall any others that really made it to the NBA and uh, had a little bit of an impact and was a a player. And and obviously he's been a real student of the game. The fact that he's in the leadership role with Mark Cuban at the uh, Mavericks shows that he's he's on top of things, was able to... uh, Show people how he, not just a basketball player, but as a pure personal human being and a and a student of the game and a and a good judge of talent and uh, someone that you have in the organization. And the fact that he's done that well is uh, is really impressive and and really was well deserving. And so it's going to be a great event. And uh, hopefully the boys can uh, get a successful win for him and uh, make it a big day. No doubt about it. And uh, I'll, I'll be in attendance at that one. So hopefully I can bring some good juju to the Cole Center pad. I, I don't know that I, I affect the game much, but hopefully I can uh, I can bring some good juju. There's one thing you said, though, that, I, that I'm hung up on. So you don't love the, the fact that jersey numbers are retired. So if you're, let's say your number 88 went back into circulation, you'd be okay with that? Yes, I don't have any problem with that. In fact, there was one time when uh, there was a potential recruit uh, that was uh, it was coming in. In fact, it might have been even uh, Donald Hayes, uh, someone where I went to high school. And uh, the approach saying, if in fact it became an issue, would you do it? I said, fine, fine with me. I, I think Archie Griffin has done the same thing at Ohio State. Huh. And uh, you know, I, you look at the the numbers. Not that you you think about it often, but there's some pretty good numbers. I mean, who wouldn't want to have like an 88 or 33 or 40 or or 35, you know, with uh, Alan Michi and and so, but it does take some things off circulation. So I mean, to be recognized, but no one really knows whether anybody's going to wear it on the field or not, and uh, and especially for those of us who've been around a long time. Nobody could remember the who wore the number unless you see it written on the on the, on the uh, <laughs> side of the stadium or something like that. So, but I, I don't have any problem with I, retiring a jersey rather than retiring a number is basically where I've been sitting all along. 
Interesting. Uh, well, the good news is, Pat, your, your number 51 for basketball wasn't retired. So Johnny Davis, <laughs> when he ripped his jersey last week, was able to wear your former 51. So that's the good news out of this. Well, I saw, I saw Greg said maybe he should wear it most of the time, but uh, <laughs> you, nobody, nobody asked for permission. Nobody has a chance of seeing it was hung up on the rafters, to put it that way. This is the Pat Richter Show here on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app and Wisconsin On Demand. I'm Alex Strofe alongside former Wisconsin Athletic Director Pat Richter. Now, Pat, I, I do want to stay in the Big Ten, but I want to talk more uh, more TV-ish uh, as uh, the Big Ten Network, their deal with the Big Ten expires this summer, and it is speculated from MSN that the Big Ten will be the first college conference to eclipse $1 billion, with a B, per year when it negotiates its next media rights deal later this year. Fox and ESPN are also going to be in the mix. But when you hear that, Pat, again, that was $1 billion with a B. There's a lot of money in this all of a sudden. Well, that's just crazy. I mean, you think about the uh, last uh, till the, the contract that currently exists is average about it was like 400 and some, you know, uh, million per year, 460 or something like that. And it was it gives forty some plus million to, to each school, and uh, and that was a big ticket item, and and so now NBC is getting the mix, and they they're really they like the properties that they have, and so they're trying to make it so that they can capture a lot of the good uh, sports properties in 1.1 billion or 1.1 plus billion. You can estimate, you know, dividing that obviously per year in terms of. Uh, 14 schools, you know, you're talking is it 700 million or whatever. I mean, almost a 70% jump, it seems like, if I, my math is correct. Mm-hmm. And uh, so instead of 40, some million, you get 70. And uh, I think the university is certainly going to be very happy to have that kind of uh, revenue. And, and I think, really so, the university will, will, will probably. You know, some of it will come to the institution, uh, the athletic department, but certainly not the whole uh, piece of it because they obviously get a lot of assistance in certain ways with whether it's utilities or whether it's uh, scholarship waivers or whatever it might be, and just to be existing. In fact, that uh, so that a lot of that will go to more of a scholarship probably in the overall campus, and so it's going to be a. I mean, just to imagine. An almost unimaginable amount of money coming into the department at a time when they certainly can use it. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with that kind of money, but it'll be, you can bet for, for sure that everybody's going to want a piece of it. And uh, hopefully the department gets enough. It's so much different nowadays with television. When we were there, you know, we were looking for new sources of revenue every year that just to get a million-dollar roll-up in terms of costs and things like this. And, and now that uh, television package has really kind of eclipsed just about everything. And so when you look at, uh, you know, just what it was, whether it was a 10-year deal maybe 10 years ago, it was gone up maybe a, it's contemplated, contemplated maybe a, of a 700, uh, no, 70% increase instead of, well, I guess more than double, 400 and some million dollars. So every every school got forty some million to uh, now a billion dollars when every school would be in the probably range of seven hundred thousand or so and so it's uh, it's a big a big jump but you know when you start looking at the different salaries with respect to 
NFL and basketball and uh, what some of these teams are worth and whatever, all of a sudden, a blinking of the eye, you know, billions are tossed around like they're millions before when everybody thought, oh my gosh, a million dollars, it's incredible. Now it's it's billion, and it won't be every too long before we see some of the the uh, professional sports players, people like that, getting billion dollar long term contracts, and uh, and somebody say, well, isn't it getting out of hand? And people used to say that whether it was. Uh, baseball or football or whatever and and how can, how can you stop how can you change that well the only change it is if there isn't demand i mean it's supply and demand if people want it the programming wants it people are watching it they're streaming it they're doing everything they can with it. it's just going to keep going on and up and the only ones that change that are the customers and the consumers and so as long as it's strong and healthy it's going to it's going to just keep going and ramp up and the salary caps are going to be kind of meaningless, I think, when you start talking about stuff with uh, Aaron Rodgers and whatever. I mean, those things don't mean much anymore because I think they're just going to be blown right by those things in the near future. Yeah, it seems like that happens every couple of years, right? So, so you make a very fair point there yeah. with, with the salary caps. But uh, explain to those of us, I mean, as an athletic director, what what would their roles be in these negotiations? Are they involved at all? Is it all the Big Ten Conference? I mean, how, how does that work? What, what would Chris McIntosh's uh, involvement be, per se? Well, I think that the only time that schools would probably get involved is if there was a question of what kind of programming. I mean, obviously okay. they're – only certain schools in the uh, conference that have uh, hockey programs. I mean, is there a carve out? Do they do you get credit for certain types of sports, whether it's you know wrestling or whether it's volleyball? Is there? It used to be the NCAA when the foot with basketball, depending how far you went in the tournament, uh, it indicated how much the share was that came to the conference. And so, he, I don't know whether they get down that specific, or it's just a question of we. Are all collegial in this whole process. We throw everything in the, on the table. We throw in our hockey. We throw in our wrestling, volleyball, soccer. Everything we've got, every sport, indicates and that they can pick and choose from that uh, menu of items. And I don't know if the schools get any credit for having programming revenue, for example, or uh, hockey program revenue versus uh, something else. Somebody may have baseball, which we don't, don't have, you know, things like that. So it's all, maybe, maybe they just say it all is the same. So each institution is giving up the rights to their programming, and then this is the, and everybody gets the same value for that, and that's the way the conference has always operated. That's probably what happens. Now, they may have a, a subcommittee, but it's primarily uh, driven by the, the, uh, the conference and the commissioner and Perhaps the uh, president or the chair of the committee, and maybe there's an athletic director that's the chair of the athletic director's committee, small group like that. But generally speaking, because of the, the size of the money and the fact that the institutions themselves own the marks, the trademarks and things like this, uh, they play the major part in this, unless, unless they've changed that, which I doubt that they would have any reason to change. And Jim Delaney was always, of course, the, the lead on that, and it was very strong. And... Uh, and nobody, you know, could presuppose saying, "Well, I could do it better than Jim could do it." Nobody could do better than Jim did it, and, he, and so that's why uh, the, this fact that uh, this is a situation where it's not you're not driving a hard bargain in terms of uh, saying trying to pr- present yourself and saying, "Well, we've got this, we got that. You want this, you want that." 
I mean, everybody knows what it is, and there's the networks out there, like you mentioned, uh, ESPN, Fox, and others. Uh, Fox, you know, maybe there's some um, feeling about Fox, you know, kind of really kicked them off into the atmosphere, so to speak, the stratosphere. And uh, But in this type, it just really boils down to money, and so nobody's going to quibble over millions of dollars when you're talking about a billion and saying, well, we could have got more there now or whatever. I think it's just you make the case that here's what you got. You had your negotiating power. Everybody knew that there were competitors. And and if the the relationships with the the television people are pretty much the same, and the question just becomes of who are the broadcasters, uh, who do we get for the – you know, premier games, things like this. What kind of time do you get? Which window, and so, so to speak. There's smaller uh, questions that come up, but generally speaking, the money will control the whole thing, and and uh, work out the details later on because it's it's such a huge package. It's it's going to be overwhelming. It certainly is. Money rules everything, Pat. That's what we've learned. <laughs> There's more negotiations yeah, exactly. going. More negotiations going on in sports, and I know you'll uh, you'll have a take on that, so we'll get to that next. It's the Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. We welcome you back inside the Pat Richter Show here on ESPN Madison. Alex Strofe alongside former Wisconsin Athletic Director Pat Richter. And Pat, uh, I, I, we didn't run over this before the show, but I know you definitely have an opinion here because I know how big of a baseball fan you are. And everything going on with the MLB is just, it's, it's nuts. And I know you probably have an opinion on, on everything going on, and there was, uh, there, was, there was news that came out about the potential new playoff format, and I'll read those to you in a second. But when you see everything going on with the MLB, and you see everything that went on a couple of years ago when they were trying to restart with the COVID pandemic, it, it just seems like Rob Manfred does not have a great pulse of everything going on within the MLB. What, what's your takeaway as as negotiations continue between the players union and the MLB. Yeah, I I, I don't know uh, Rob Manfred. I, I did know Bud Seeley well and and Bud was a unique person to be in that position being an owner and just with a tremendous passion for a game of baseball and uh and he was you know controversial on occasion but he always had the best interests of baseball at heart and that was uh, his primary role and uh I I just think that uh there's still no matter how successful they are and, and what happens, there's still a little lingering issues there. You know, the, the PED stuff. There was just a discussion recently about uh, some pitchers and about uh, drugs and uh, and things like that. And, and there just always seems to be some. I don't know what the why the what the reason is why they have those things lingering around. But he always and they, and they always had a, a very difficult. Uh, Relationship or not difficult, maybe a tough relationship with the the uh, the players' association uh, leader, and that was really a, a time when when they got started, and 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 then they uh, Don Fear came in and did a very good job and headed along. I think I think he went to the NHL now. I think he's been up there, mm-hmm. but uh, but I think that they just have never. It's so big. There's so many owners. There's so many differences and things like this that it's so difficult. I mean, I remember the, the description at the time, and you kind of gives you the, an idea of what's important. When I think the Florida Marlins had a big payroll and they uh, won the World Series, and I think Wayne Heisinga was the owner, 
and he basically gutted the team the next year. And he said, uh-huh. what the hell? He said, I'm the owner. He says, I won the World Series, but I lost money doing it. What kind of business is that? I mean, that's basically <laughs> what he said. And uh, and that's that's true. I mean, you see that in uh, in some of the other things, whether it's football or not. But they, you know, about discussions about tossing the game because you get a better draft choice and things like this. And and I think that that, from a baseball standpoint, those are the kinds of things that would just have driven uh, Bud up the wall, you know, because he's such a purist in baseball. I mean, he does a love for the game just overshadows everything he's got. Whereas I think anybody else looks at it from a kind of a business standpoint and and taking orders from 30-some, I don't know how many teams there are anymore, how many 30 or so odd teams is very difficult. And uh, and so I I, I think they still are kind of behind the eight ball a little bit in terms of uh, popularity and things like this, football, especially right now with the uh, Super Bowl just beginning, just uh, finishing up. Everybody's kind of talking about the NFL, and the NFL just already announced that well, they're going to have Thursday night NFL and things like this. They're going to take take some more space and things like that. And uh, so I, I just think baseball is kind of fighting a little losing battle. I mean, I, and I don't know that the game as it was years and years and years ago has the same cachet in terms of uh, opportunities. Uh, for the United States uh, and baseball and things like this, it seems like there's just fewer and fewer opportunities, like the Mallards and things like this. And mm-hmm. even though they're successful, and and it, it just uh, they're kind of fighting losing battle with the NFL, I think, and that kind of probably has a little bit of uh, the kind of a colors the, uh, the negotiations and things. And, and they're probably, you know, because everybody's negotiating on the, the fact that they've got difficulties in certain areas and things like this, and yeah. and that's what they cry pity, pity me, pity me, and poor me, I'm going to lose money if I do this and that, whatever. But the values of these teams just keep ramping up because everybody wants to have one. You know, they now there's more people that are probably with the wherewithal to uh, to be a player in some of these situations. It's interesting. And you bring up the NFL. It seems like the MLB might be taking a page out of their playbook. So Craig Carton from WFAN in New York uh, reported this earlier today. Hasn't been confirmed, but it seems like the MLB playoff format could be changing, and it'll be as followed. It'll be seven teams per conference or division, uh, so seven teams per league. Uh, Teams with the best record would get a bye and go straight to the divisional series. And the remaining six teams, the top divisional winner, so the number two seed in each league, would pick their opponent and play a best of three series with all three games being played at their home base. Uh, you know, so to, who took third place in the league would also pick a, a wild card team. You get to pick their opponent with the top team getting a bye and seven teams in each league. So uh, a couple of changes there. Uh, it's it's really wild. This hasn't been confirmed yet, but it has been reported. I don't know if I like that very much. What's what's your initial reaction? You talk, you talk about locker room material. I mean, how would you like to be the number one seed? And you say, well, I'll pick these guys because they're the, the right. inference being right. they'll be the easiest team to play. Well, that's what they think of you. So, I mean, instantaneously you get locker room material for that. Well, I think that's what they're trying to do is make it more interesting. And so sure. It's a little bit more. People say, "Well, God, I wonder who's who they're going to pick and things like this." And so it's trying to get fans more engaged a little bit. And uh, 
whether it's be successful, I'm not sure. I, I just think that when they the longer they go, the more they get into the football season in the fall, and the and the less it seems like they have the they they command the attention of the fans, and just because NFL started and and then, like I say, I just mentioned they they're going to go on a Thursday night football game as well, so they're going to be all over the place, and uh, it's going to be just tougher for baseball, and especially when they're taking so long and and the lack of action for a long in the, in the games and things like this, that's always been an issue. And I think that the NFL is an issue as well. There are three and a half games now. It used to be 245, then it was three, now three and a half. And when you pay a billion-dollar contracts to mm-hmm. colleges and things like that, you're going to have to have some some room for inventory for advertising. And that's going to – you don't you don't think that a billion one – is going to buy you a little, maybe a four-hour game. I don't know. I think that's where you're looking at, just because it's going to take you know, a little more selling of advertising to make the make the numbers work. Welcome to 2022, Pat. It certainly is interesting, isn't go. it? <laughs> you got it. This is the Pat Richter Show here at ESPN Madison. We're brought to you in part by Oak Park Place, which offers seniors and their loved ones peace of mind. You can find the right balance of the care you need centered around your lifestyle. Move to a community with neighbors that become like family. Enjoy the comforts of your apartment with an abundance of events just outside your door. You can choose the fit that is right for you, from independent living to assisted living, memory care, and short-term rehabilitation. Oak Park Place, with locations on Madison's east side and in the Coma neighborhood, Janesville, and Baraboo. You can visit oakparkplace.com to learn more. We will wrap it up next as the Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin on demand. We welcome you back to the Pat Richter Show here on ESPN Madison. Alex Strofe alongside former Wisconsin Athletic Director Pat Richter. And, and Pat, we've got a few minutes left, so I feel like we should do a weekly check-in on our Aaron Rodgers meter. Not a ton of news this week, uh, but what, from what he's told us, it seems like we're nearing decision day. He said uh, at near the end of February he would make a decision with the trade, or excuse me, the uh, the franchise tag opportunities beginning for teams next week. Uh, where does your gut tell you right now? You think Aaron Rodgers is a Green Bay Packer in 2022? I think so. I think there's more more signs point to that. I think that, uh, you know, I love to listen to these guys on television talking about it uh, in terms of saying, well, he, you know, they were saying, well, he wants to go to <laughs> New Orleans Saints and they, uh, this and that and whatever. And there's just no way in the world that uh, right. the Packers are going to say, well, trade you to the NFC. And I think when, if, if it comes down to it, I think whatever it comes down to it, I think both sides are going to recognize saying this makes the best sense, you know, at some point in time we try to do this and that and whatever, and it worked or, we, or it didn't work, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we gave it a good shot. And, and so I think that there, everybody talks about the cap hit, things like this, but if you say, okay, well, we take the Smith brothers, for example, that's 47-some million dollars, and uh, that – gets you back to normal, and then if you extend the contract out, that gets you a little more space. Yeah. I think, obviously, Adams is going to be very important in this whole situation, but I still think that uh, given with three new coaches in the, in the, in the league, uh, it's going to be maybe more of an opportunity, and, uh, you know, they've been so close, and all the other things, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I think that he's, he's probably thinking, leaning that way, and hopefully they can make it work out. Because it sounds like Mark Murphy and everybody, that's what they're going to try to do. And obviously, if the numbers are that simple, they could they could know right now whether or not they could do it or not. So if they make the comment, they're going to try to work it out all possible. 
I think that makes a good, makes for a good sign. Yeah, and uh, you know, you spent your entire career with one team, Pat. And obviously, the league's a lot different these days uh, than from when you played. But there is still something very special about spending the entirety of your career in, in one place. Not a lot of players get to do that. Uh, what did that mean to you? Not not playing for other teams during your time uh, with with Washington. Well, it is special. I mean, it is you can't put a price on it, but uh, you know you. You have familiarity and all those types of things. I think certainly Green Bay is a special location, and uh, everybody it's not for everybody, but uh, certainly Aaron has endeared himself to the fans and everybody up there. And, and that legacy, it'll be in that legacy with Star and the Favre and, and Rodgers. I think that, uh, you know, that there's you get a bigger leash. I think you go anywhere else and the expectations sure. are, are much different and uh, you don't have as much control over the things there. I don't know that anybody, you can do as much as quickly. So I think he's, you know, this relationship he's got with Bakhtiari and Adams and people like that, you know, those, those are those are lifetime uh, uh, you know, information and legacies and things like this and lifetime relationships that uh, you know you really can't uh, duplicate a lot of places. So I think that uh, given that there's been this much progress over time, you can just see that things have warmed a little bit and whatever. That at least if it does go the other way and everything comes down to it, everybody's going to be on the same page and just say, "Hey, we tried and it didn't work out." Or we're happier that we could work it out, and Rogers is going to be a Packer for life type of thing. Uh, I think that the positioning for that is is much better than it was, that's for sure. Yeah, I tend to agree, and obviously, uh, a lot of people have said this. I wholeheartedly feel this way. Aaron Rodgers' best opportunity to win is going to be in Green Bay, no matter what the cap yeah, situation exactly. looks like. I think uh, you know what we've seen between him and under head coach Matt Lafleur, especially the last three years. They do a lot of winning. It maybe hasn't happened in the playoffs, but they've done a heck of a lot of it in the regular season. So hopefully they're able to to carry that over. But uh, time will tell. Hopefully decision day is coming, and uh, you know we can all we can all exhale and settle down because I, I think you know from what I've been able to tell from many Packers fans, including myself, I'm nervous, Pat. I'm nervous about what's going to happen here. Yeah. But uh, it seems like the decision will be made shortly, and and hopefully it is in Green Bay. Well, that's for doggone sure. Uh, we've done all this time today, and we haven't even talked about the Super Bowl. Isn't that something? That sure is something. What, well, we, what, what was the pro- what was the projection we had? With twenty something to fourteen, twelve, or something? Yeah, like that? you did. You did. You you, you you were a little low. It was a little bit higher scoring than you expected last week. But what, yeah, it was what on the right the side game? of the winner. But uh, well, I thought it was a it was a very uh, very interesting game in the way that uh, the Bengals hung in there very much. But uh, Aaron Donald is just a, a beast and. Uh, you know, I think that I feel good for Matt Stafford, and but you know, you there's so many things could happen. They they catch that pass coming over the middle at the end, 85, and they get a first down. It's a different game, and uh, you know, the, the I just didn't like the end of the the call, the first call, right. the interference call, yeah. first off. Second one, I you know, you can't get away with that. But the first one, given the fact they hadn't touched the flag all day, is just you know that's not the time to pull it out. So, uh, but. Overall, it seemed like they were the stronger team, but uh, give, credit, give credit to the Bengals. They did a great job. Yeah, certainly an awesome game. Uh, do you watch the Super Bowl for the commercials as well, or were you not really interested in those? Was there anyone that stood out to you? Uh, he did. I, I like to I watch Larry David, a Kirby yeah. enthusiast. Yeah. He's, a, he's, a, he's a nutty guy, and 
that one you can just you can just see him in all of those positions, <laughs> and so that was pretty good. The, the staples of a Budweiser and people like that, and and just it was interesting to see who they were going to put in the commercials. You know, and I had an argument with my wife was saying, "Well, that's Jim Carrey." No, no, yeah, that's, that's Jim Carrey. I know it is. <laughs> So, but but those were enjoyable. You, you couldn't fast forward it because everybody in the household wanted to watch and see what they were like. So you didn't save any time by uh, DVDing it. To put it that way. Yeah, there you go. Well, Larry David was uh, was a favorite among the office as well. We liked this line a lot. I got ten forks right here, baby. <laughs> got ten forks right here, baby. It was a it was it was certainly. Certainly a, a very popular one, uh, but uh, the Super Bowl yeah. was a great game. The Los Angeles Rams win their second Super Bowl in franchise history. And as you mentioned, Matt Stafford, a year out of Detroit, gets his ring. Pretty wild uh, what, what happens yeah. when you go all in. Maybe the Packers will take a page out of uh, the Rams book for 2022. But. The way things are going the last couple of years, you got to get the game scheduled at Green Bay, and then we'll make sure we win. <laughs> there you go. That's very true. The Tampa Bay and Los advantage. Angeles. Yeah, you're right. You're totally yeah. right. So, uh uh, you and I will uh, will call our people, and we'll see if we can get the Super Bowl Lambeau Field one of these years. Yep. How's, how's that we'll make it easy. There we go. Uh, well, as always, Pat, appreciate the time. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, Alex. Good night. That's the great Pat Richter here on the Pat Richter Show, brought to you by Oak Park Place, Simmons Chevy, Mount Horeb, and J&K Security Solutions. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. We'll be back next Saturday. And if you missed any of the show, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Pat Richter. This has been the Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand.